You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores how to approach food and your body in a whole new way. I interview people who share stories and expertise in rejecting diet culture, making peace with food, and discovering a more positive, realistic, and sustainable approach to health and well-being. I'm Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and owner of Positive Nutrition, an in-person nutrition therapy practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. I offer free resources, including this podcast, a blog, and posts on social media. If you're local to Salt Lake City, check out our services and availability for appointments and keep your eyes out for in-person groups on mindfulness, intuitive eating, body image resilience, and more. Go to positive-nutrition.com and hit subscribe if you'd like to keep in touch. I also offer online courses covering topics like the science of nutrition, mindfulness, and healing your relationship with food. Check those out at positive-nutrition.com slash academy. If you like what you hear on the podcast, you can make a difference by leaving a review, sharing with friends and family, or making a donation. Thank you so much for your support. You can also find me on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought at Paige Smathers RD. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige, and I'm your host, and I'm thrilled to bring you a conversation about a topic that I think is really, really important that sometimes uh, we don't end up talking a lot about in the non-diet space. So I'm really excited to bring you a conversation where our intention is to really demystify this concept of gentle nutrition. And during the during the podcast, you'll hear me sort of give a good explanation of what gentle nutrition is, how it fits into intuitive eating. So if those terms don't make sense to you right away, that's okay. We'll go in and we'll explain it. Um, but what we're doing is we're talking about the 10th principle, 10 out of 10, um, principle of intuitive eating, where we're talking about how to integrate principles of science and gentle nutrition into our approach with food. And to me, this is a really, really important concept. Many of you will likely already know that I, I just think that sometime, for some people, learning about the actual science of nutrition is not only interesting, but it can actually be really helpful in rejecting the dieting mentality because sometimes we get so wrapped up in, um, you know, looking at body image stuff and looking at challenging the diet mentality um, and looking at making peace with food. And those are all really, really important things to do. I do not mean to discount them. But sometimes for certain personalities, for certain brains, it can be really helpful to just challenge some of the logic of what diets even hold. And how true is it that diets say X, Y, or Z thing? And sometimes understanding the science of nutrition can actually be really helpful in the whole entire process of just kind of seeing through the um, the lies of diet culture. So that's why I wanted to have this conversation. And if this, if this podcast episode piques your interest, be sure to check out an online course that I co-taught with Jesse Hoffman, PhD, where we talk, where we teach about the, the science of nutrition without the typical gimmicky stuff that often uh, comes with it. So we talk about gut health. We talk about macronutrients. We teach you about how to detect a fad diet. We teach you about research um, and media literacy around these concepts. We talk about gut health, uh, meal planning, grocery shopping, all kinds of things. 
So just wanted to throw that out there, that if this piques your interest, if you feel like it's a good fit for you to kind of explore this a bit more, do check out Positive Nutrition 101. If you're someone who is like, okay, I'm going to listen to this podcast, but I'm not sure I'm ready for like the nutrition, the gentle nutrition side of things, um, just also know that there are lots of resources available to you as well. Um, My other course called Positive Nutrition for Life, this is a really good course for anyone who's looking for ideas and skills and tools and actual, you know, practical down to earth things that you can do and you can work on to start to create um, a healing, positive relationship with food. So that course is less sciencey, more uh, associated with kind of helping you learn intuitive eating, helping you learn body image resilience, helping you learn um, some mindfulness principles, and then also some positive nutrition principles as well. So check those out. You can find those at positive-nutrition.com academy. Okay, so with that, one other thing I wanted to mention is I do talk a little bit about groups that I run during this podcast episode. And just for your information, if you're local to Salt Lake City, I do try to run a few groups every year around intuitive eating. I did just start a new round of groups uh, this this week, so I will not be running another round of groups until early 2020. If you would like to get on my waiting list for that, you are more wel- more than welcome to reach out. Um, to the email address on the website, which is just hello at positive-nutrition.com. Or you can also fill out the interest form um, at positive-nutrition.com slash groups. Okay, so with that, I am so thrilled to share this conversation that I had with Rachel Hartley, who is a phenomenal dietitian. Um, She's just so compassionate. She's so thoughtful. She is just someone that I just enjoy being around so much. And I think she has a really great perspective on this topic of gentle nutrition. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. And thanks so much for being here with me today. Hi, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. We're about to talk about a topic that I know you love and I know that I love too. So I think I think we're going to be a good team here. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm really just thrilled to chat. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So Rachel, take a minute and just kind of talk about who you are and what you do sort of on a kind of basic level. And then we'll dive into the topic at hand. And then you can also share more about yourself as we go for sure. Absolutely. So I am a private practice dietitian and intuitive eating counselor in Columbia, South Carolina. And um, I work with clients like in town and I also work with clients virtually. So my client base is about, you know, half my clients are local and about half I I work with virtually. Um, And yeah, I I just sort of see, I feel like a wide range of you know, health concerns, um, you know, that I focus on with an intuitive eating non-diet lens. So, you know, disordered eating, eating disorders, IBS, PCOS, um, really just, you know, again, like the, the range of things that you see in the world of nutrition, but really focusing on it without, um, you know, with that, that non-diet focus. And, um, I also sort of have this little fun part of my business, which is I have a, um, a blog at the joy of eating where I share recipes and like free nutri- uh, intuitive eating resources, kind of this, uh, I guess, creative project that I started many years ago that somehow has grown into part of my business. 
And did you have the blog before you kind of transitioned into more of the non-diet space? I, I kind of feel like I know some of the story, but not really. So share, share what yeah. that was like. How did you find this sort of intuitive eating non-diet space? Right, right. So I did. I started, um, I started my blog. I was at this very like stuck point where I think like I was starting to learn a little bit more about intuitive eating and mindful eating and, and non-diet nutrition. And I didn't really have like the words or the language for it, but I was really starting to delve more into that space. And so actually when I, I started my blog, um, you know, it definitely, there's some things that I look back and I'm like, Ooh, that, <laughs> that does not like a lot of kind of hidden old blog posts. Well, but, um, and same with me with my <laughs> podcasts. So, I mean, I think yes. we all need a little space to learn and grow and figure this stuff out, you know? Absolutely. And I think there's something, I don't know if you experience this too, but I think there's something to, you know, putting your work out there, whether it's, you know, verbally over a podcast or written work that really makes you think about, like, think about your language and think about what you're saying and, um, and really start to like formulate your, it it just really helps you get a clearer, um, I guess like a a clearer vision or, or just solidify your, your values when it comes to practicing in this field. So I, I, you know, as much as I like look back and feel a little bit cringy, sometimes I also feel very grateful that I have an outlet to just like put stuff out there and, and get critical about like myself and my own and, and my own writing and my own beliefs. And, and it really helped me formulate my, um, you know, my approach and, and move to that non-diet realm. So Yeah. And sometimes you need to kind of put it out there to really figure out, does that resonate? Does that not? How does that feel a month later or a year later? And I, I think like, I kind of believe, I don't know if my podcast listeners will be aware of this, but my perspective is I'm not ashamed of that growth and I'm not, yeah. like you said, like, yes, I do have that cringy reaction sometimes like, Ugh, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. say it like that now or, ooh, that was really insensitive. But it's also yeah. like, I, it's okay. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to be not perfect and I, I'm still allowed to be not perfect right. even now, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Like I hope in a few years, like I can look back at even like maybe even look back at this podcast and be like, Ooh, I wish I said that a little bit differently. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm not, then I'm not growing and, and that's not very cool. Yeah. Good point. Oh, I love it. So yeah. you've, how did you find this intuitive eating space? Like, did you you so you were formally trained by Evelyn Tripoli. Is that right? You have the certification. Ooh. Yes. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I, I think when I look back on my career, so I was actually, um, when I went to college, I was a double major with psychology and nutrition. And so I, I think part of that, like psychology training and education, like, um, I, I think that that sort of primed me in a way, even going through the, you know, and that's not to say that I was at all practicing in a non-diet way when I um, started as a dietitian, but I always had this sense of like, we're not we're not just talking about nutrition and food in this like laboratory setting. Like we're talking about actual human beings, um, with actual relationships to food. And I, I, so I think I always sort of had that in the background, um, of my practice, but certainly I, I, I think 
like many people, I had this just sort of messy transition where, you know, first I started learning more about mindful eating. And as I was learning more about mindful eating, I, you know, started, um, discovered intuitive eating and started delving into that. And, and as I was working on intuitive eating, learning more about health at every size. And so I, I, it, it's definitely, it was a, a messy transition, but um, even when I look back at the beginnings of my career, I, I kind of see the little things that, that primed me to be uh, ready for that information. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it's just like having the language to be able to mm-hmm. communicate these these things. Yeah. And it kind of is like a foreign language, right? Because this the language that we're steeped in around food is so oriented toward manipulation and distrust and... Um, looking outside of yourself for authorities as far as what's good, quote, quote, unquote, or what's bad, or what we should be doing, or what we shouldn't be doing. And so even in school to become a dietitian, I think for for me, at least I, it really helped me to kind of chill out about food and to realize like, oh, um, once I learn about the science, I realize I don't really need to overthink this. It's actually fairly simple. um, As far as like the practical side of eating. But yeah. anyway, where, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> no, no. I think that's such an, yeah. Cause I mean, as like, as dietitians, we've obviously all had a ton, a ton of like really scientific training. And I think there's this, um, I don't know, this is my kind of theory of things, uh, you know, because as dietitians, sometimes within the healthcare realm, we tend to be like our position isn't really as valued. And um, I at least know that this was my experience. Sometimes I felt like I needed to prove myself with nutrition and make nutrition a lot more complicated than it needed to be just to kind of like show up like, look how much I know, like we are the nutrition experts. And there is like all this really cool, fascinating, in-depth science with nutrition. But when we look at it from a practical level of like, what do you need to know to just feed your body? It is really, really simple. And I, I don't think that that detract, like detracts from, um, you know, the, the role of dietitians and, and what we do. But um, yeah, so, so I, yeah, I don't know if that kind of connects or makes sense there. No, it does. That Yeah, it's and that really is a great segue into what we're planning on chatting about today, this idea of like, of gentle nutrition. So let's set the stage really quick, Rachel. I'll do my best, and then I want you to kind of add your thoughts as well. So many of my listeners will be aware that I really like to uh, discuss topic, like pick a topic for a podcast episode, pick a friend, a colleague who I think will do a great job of exploring this with me. And I'm also very sensitive to the fact that Many people find my podcast because it has the word nutrition in it. <laughs> and so they might search on their podcast app and say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll listen to this one with the strawberries on it. Sweet. And I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, the way that that Rachel and I and my guests approach nutrition is often very countercultural, very different, very unique. Kind of like you were saying, Rachel, we have different language. There's a lot of different wording and phrasing that we use uh, as compared to maybe the typical way people talk about food and nutrition. So we have this topic today of talking about gentle nutrition. And what we mean by that is when we are, when Rachel and I work with our clients as registered dietitians, we approach 
their nutrition, their well-being, their self-care around food from a non-diet lens. And one really popular non-diet approach is called intuitive eating. And the intuitive eating approach is just so people know there's a book. It's written by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And there's 10 principles in intuitive eating. And the very last principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. So after you have worked really hard to reject the diet mentality, make peace with food, discover satisfaction, work on hunger and fullness and all these other different elements that intuitive eating talks about, the very end of the book says, okay, now that we've worked on rejecting all of the diet mentality that seeps up, how can we approach, how, how can we kind of weave in some scientific knowledge or some understanding of the science of nutrition into our approach with food? And uh, that sounds relatively straightforward, I'm sure to many of you, but this is actually like somewhat of a, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but like it's, it's kind of hard for someone like Rachel or I to talk about this because we know that there are folks with very significant eating disorders, very significant struggles with food listening. And when we talk about nutrition, even if our intention is really good and solid and pure, um, someone who's in the midst of a deep struggle with this might interpret some of the things we talk about as rigid or rules-based or um uh, you know, trying to manipulate your body. So we're going to do our best to kind of tread some some tricky waters as we talk about a principle that hopefully most people will approach at, after they've done a lot of other work to really challenge that diet mentality. What else would you add to that, though, Rachel? Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that introduction to um, gentle nutrition because it really, you know, we tend to view not, and when I say we, I mean like collective, like <laughs> big, big, you know, population wise, we tends to view uh, nutrition as like the end all be all of health. When in reality, it's like one aspect of it and not even necessarily the most important aspect. And so for someone who's really struggling with their relationship with food and, um, you know, struggling with an eating disorder, uh, taking like putting nutrition on the back burner can actually be like the healthiest thing for you. So it's not, um, you know, it is okay to deprive prioritize, uh, nutrition, um, you know, in certain like, you know, seasons of life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that seems radical for many because like you said so well in our, our collective culture, we really do think of when we think of quote, getting healthy, the first two things that come to mind are, okay, what are we eating and how are we moving our body? Right. Right. Food and fitness. And, you know, health is so much more like multidimensional than that. And it's not even like, you know, it's not even like health is like a thing that like, you know, you get your certificate of like being a healthy person, like our, you know, health is going to change over the course of our life. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, when we think about like, I kind of think about health as essentially like our quality of life. And yeah. certainly nutrition is something that um, that can contribute to it. But it is not there are so many, so many aspects to it, many of which are just like, 
our control. Um, and so I, I like to, again, as much as being a dietitian, obviously I value nutrition and, and the role that it plays in life, but I also know, want to keep it in perspective and um, not put nutrition up on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually something that I often say when I run groups, intuitive eating groups, I really like to, so the format of my groups is we do like a principle from the intuitive eating book per week. And what can happen, especially toward the end when we're talking about gentle nutrition, is people are like, okay, they're like rubbing their hands together, like, okay, now we're on to the good <laughs> stuff. Now we're into the most important things. Like, sure, we've done all these other things. Um, and it's really important to emphasize that each of the principles of intuitive eating, in my opinion, it run best and work best for us and promote our health the very best when they are kind of on a level playing field with each other. So yeah. when, when even though honoring hunger and respecting our fullness are also two principles of intuitive eating, we really want to be careful not to say, okay, yeah, those are the two most important ones. And then, yeah, the whole satisfaction thing, eh, whatever, that's just lower, right? right? So they're right. all important. Yes. Yeah. And there's different, like, depending on what, you know, different times in our life, like certain principles might be more or less emphasized. And also too, just like based on, you know, our sort of individual, like, you know, access and, and privileges, like there may be certain principles that might, uh, you know, that we might have barriers to being yeah. able to um, incorporate. And I don't think that that necessarily means you're like doing intuitive eating wrong or that you're failing at intuitive eating. Like they're, they're just, you know, each of us have our own barriers and, and intuitive of eating is it's it's principles they're they're guidelines they are not rules that you have to like you know follow to a T. oh I love that and I totally agree I often say this that I think that if we turn well let me say it this way I think one of the big pitfalls of intuitive eating is thinking that the goal is to become an intuitive eater quote-unquote and when mm -hmm. we do that, I think we we have to, in order to even understand what we mean by becoming an intuitive eater, we have to con conceptualize and oversimplify and kind of label and put, you know, a box mm -hmm. around this term. And I think the very nature of doing that makes it so that we're actually not really doing <laughs> intuitive eating. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. rather than thinking that the goal is to become an intuitive eater, my opinion is that the goal is really just to figure out how to eat and how to care for yourself with food that enables you to live the life you really want to live. And like you said, you know, depending on your history, your background, your financial situation, your whatever it might be, certain principles of intuitive eating may be more or less accessible to you. And that's okay. This is not a checklist of like being the perfect intuitive eater. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like I kind of tell that my clients that, you know, intuitive eating, it provides us this like, you know, these tools, like this, basically like this toolbox full of, of principles that, um, that, that we can pull out and use and have access to. But, um, but you know, you don't have to be using like every single one at every single moment in order to be this like, you know, air quote, perfect intuitive yeah. eater. Like, like it is building in more tools that help you learn how to feed yourself in a way 
that that cares for your your physical and mental health. And there's other tools outside of intuitive eating too. Like it's not like like there's other tools that we can incorporate. So yeah. yeah. Great point. I love that. I'm curious what your thoughts are. There's quite a bit of rhetoric around um so I've already kind of alluded to this about around the idea that like gentle nutrition is not something you should ever talk about until you have done all the other principles, all nine principles before it and be careful with gentle nutrition. There's kind of, there's some sort of, I don't know, fear or sort of not fear, I guess a little bit of just trying to be careful about talking about this, this topic, um, especially in, in formats like Instagram or a podcast or social media in general, because the audience is diverse and broad and we're trying to sort of consider the most vulnerable who might be there. Uh, What's your opinion about sort of the idea that this needs to come absolutely last and don't even look at this until you've done X, Y, and Z? Where, what what do you think about that? Right. Yeah. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense that, you know, from, you know, writing like the book, like, I think there is definitely value to the reason that that gentle nutrition comes last or that the emphasis on it. But I also find that when we like, you know, and actually as I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about this, I'm thinking back to, um, like the uh, client that I worked with earlier this morning, who I've been working with for, for quite some time. And we've done a lot of work with, um, with intuitive eating and she had questions about gentle nutrition. And, you know, I, I, I think there is like, when we hold off on it to like, when we don't explain what gentle nutrition is, I think that can kind of contribute to this idea of like putting it up in a, up on a pedestal, like, um, you know, like now that I've mastered these other principles of intuitive eating, now I can approach gentle nutrition and, you know, quinoa and kale with every single meal. (laughs) And in reality, you know, when we, when we help people understand a little bit earlier that gentle nutrition is probably things that you're already doing and that you already know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And things that you're, you're, that you already know that you've already heard that aren't like super sexy or anything. You know, it really, it, it, yeah, it makes it seem like gentle nutrition is this like big secret out there. And it's really not. Yeah. It's really like basic stuff. (laughs) I agree. And I, so I see why people say that and I see where they're coming from. And this isn't a criticism of that, but at the same time, I do agree with you. I think that if we, if we act as if this is like, whoa, be careful here, it, here we go. We're about to talk about nutrition. Watch out. We have the, it, it, we run the risk of it sounding like, yeah, like we have some secret. We're going to pull the wool over your eyes. This is going to be totally different from anything else you've done on your intuitive eating journey. And then my other big complaint about that is I just think it's a false statement or assumption when we think that we can quote master the rest of the principles like I'm constantly uncovering more ways diet mentality seeps into my clients lives new ways it seeps into my friends and family my own life my own experience and I think it's just sort of like it's just kind of silly to think okay I'm done with that now I move on to this it's like "Mm, I think we're always doing this process Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we all have, you know, our bodies and our health status, like 
it is going to change throughout our life. And, and of course, like just our, our, you know, like our life in general, like whether it's, you know, having kids, changing jobs, like everything is always in, in flux. And so there's uh, this idea that we have to like master these nine um, principles of intuitive eating before moving on to nutrition. It can feel like, you know, quite prohibitive. And especially because sometimes there's, there's times where nutrition might, um, might be introduced a little bit earlier on in a way. And of course, this is very individual to, to the, uh, you know, this is where like talking about intuitive eating as a broad concept versus incorporating it with, with individual clients is, is different, but you know, there's times where introducing it a little bit earlier on can be, um, can be helpful for people in in certain situations. Absolutely. And I think when I kind of lost my train of thought earlier, I was, I was talking about how when I learned about nutrition, it actually really helped me chill out about nutrition, about like the things that I was so concerned about. And so, and I know this isn't everyone's story, but for me going to, you know, going through biochemistry and all my nutrition courses and all of that kind of helped me realize, hmm, I may be overthinking this and maybe it's not so big of a deal to do X, Y, or Z with my eating or to let go of this rule. And, um, and I found that, you know, there, well, and another thing I just want to say here that is, that's why I, I made this course called Positive Nutrition 101, which is all about the science of nutrition without that gimmicky sort of, and this is how you manipulate your body with this knowledge. It's just like, hey, right. do you want to learn about carbohydrate, fat, protein? And do you want to learn about meal planning and gut health and, you know, all these interesting aspects of the science of nutrition that I think ultimately can kind of help us uh fortify against fad diets sort of seductive claims too which i think i think is empowering right. for some absolutely yeah cuz when we you know part of you know part of intuitive eating is like unlearning all this weight focused um you know diet focused uh nutrition that we've learned because gosh like when is you know when is nutrition ever talked about like not in the context of trying to manipulate your body and so being able to actually like replace that that information with with science on food and nutrition, it, it really it provides a basis that can um, inoculate you from some of this, uh, you know, the some of the the diet culture uh, or diet mentality that that you you know come up with in culture. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Great word, inoculate. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so Rachel, when your clients ask you about gentle nutrition, obviously they probably don't word it that way. They probably the way that they ask, I'm sure, is something like, "Okay, okay, yeah, I'm, I've worked on rejecting the diet mentality. I've developed some skills to connect to my body a little bit better, and um, maybe they they might say, "Gosh, I feel like." A little all over the place with my eating or am I allowed to have structure with food or am I allowed like is it okay if I eat a you know nutritious meal instead of you know some other meal that I maybe don't want but I worry is it bad to choose the more nutritious option is that okay do you ever have clients kind of come to you in that place with food yeah yeah absolutely where it's um and you know and and Thankfully, a lot of my clients already have a, I think because a lot of the clients I work with online have a sort of basis in intuitive eating, they're already sort of like 
familiar with like the broad the research, sense research. of evan- yeah <laughs> yep so they kind of know like gentle nutrition and like that coming last so so surprisingly i do have a lot of clients who kind of bring up that that phrase uh, gentle nutrition but um but yeah oftentimes it is sort of like it, you know am i bad by wanting to get a salad or wanting to eat vegetables it's all about you know the intentions there but um but yeah, it, it's really interesting. You know, I, I kind of think about gentle nutrition, like my, I guess, um, I don't know, like my definition or my way of thinking about it is, you know, what, what does it look like when we zoom out and get the bird's eye view of your, the patterns of eating over time and, um, you know, not kind of focusing in on each individual meal and each individual snack, but the, the big picture of our eating and, when I do that with clients, um, when we're looking at nutrition, it's it's really cool to see how they a lot of them are just already incorporating gentle nutrition as part of their life. So um, yeah, or almost for, like intuitively, right? Kind yeah, of in once, an intuitive way. Yeah, mm-hmm. once they've sort of explored this, like you said, maybe the break from thinking about nutrition and just really just enjoying the foods that they have not let themselves eat with their dieting days. And just kind of have have some time to just enjoy food. And and I want, by the way, the whole process, we should enjoy food. I'm not saying then when you <laughs> yes. incorporate gentle nutrition, you all of a sudden don't enjoy food anymore. That's not what I mean. <laughs> Words are hard, you guys. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is like a lot of times the pendulum sort of overcorrects a little bit. You know, like you've spent so much time over here in restriction. It only makes sense that like the laws of physics will sort of dictate that you might spend a little bit of time in sort of what's been termed donut land, right? Where you're just like, woohoo, I'm having so much fun. I'm eating all the things. And, um, and a lot of times people do kind of say, okay, that was good to have both of those experiences. Now I'm kind of ready to find this middle ground that maybe, maybe I've never been there my entire life. Like, I don't know what this even looks like. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, and I think that kind of gets back to what we were talking about before. And that when we think that gentle nutrition is this like special way of, of eating that, um, people will often miss that they, you know, that, that they're already engaging with it. Um, and now of course too, when we zoom out on nutrition, sometimes we find like different areas where it's like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm, um, you know, going out to lunch every single day at work. Are there ways that maybe I can, you know, pack a lunch some days or, you know, perhaps like incorporate produce into my breakfast. Like there might be little things here and there where we, um, you know, identify an area where we can make, um, you know, make some changes that, that improve that overall, you know, nutrient density of what we're we're eating. But, you know, it's not like it's something that's going to be life changing or the thing that's going to inoculate you with, um, there's that word again, um, that's going to, you know, keep you healthy for the rest of your life. Like it's not going to be this magical thing, but it might be a way that we're able to, um, work in, um, you know, yeah, just, just work in some more nutrient dense foods. Yeah. I love that. So Rachel, what, one thing that comes up for a lot of my clients with this is, is just the confusion around, you mentioned that the intention behind the vegetables or the salad or the, whatever it might be is really what we're, we're interested in here. But I think that that can be so tricky and so nuanced for folks that they can be like, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure if I have the right intentions or what if weight loss thoughts pop into my head or what if 
Um, I have, you know, body image thoughts that kind of play into my decisions around vegetables. Like, is that okay? How do I navigate that? Um, because it's not always like a clear cut thing like, oh, now I'm just totally um, eating these foods for the right reasons. And that's a bachelor joke for anyone who watches bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I missed this season. Oh my god, I don't get it. <laughs> okay, really no, they just they're just obsessed with saying for the right reasons. That's all. It's not that funny. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, no. Um no, I, I hear you where it's like the the intentions, you know, with intuitive eating, I think it's the intentions more than the um actual like behavior that, that makes the, the, that's most important. And it can be, you're so right. Like these things can be so, uh, woven together where it's really hard to untangle, you know, what's a decision that's coming from, um, self-care and taking care of myself. Um, and what is a decision that has, that's tied up in diet mentality. And it's really, cause the, like the behavior might be the same, but it's very different intentions. And, and that, that's just a really tricky, to, um, you know, to figure out, I, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of looking at, you know, do I feel a sense of should or have like with this, this choice? Do I feel like, does it feel neutral for me to like not eat the vegetable versus eating the vegetable? Do I feel like there is this overwhelming sense of should involved with this versus like, oh, I'd like to, or I could, I, I think that's really a helpful place to start in, um, untangling the, um, you know, entangling those decisions from, from diet mentality. Yeah. I love that. And it's also just, it's such, it's okay for these, decisions around food to be a little bit messy. I think it's to be expected, right. Right? right? It's like, and I think when we get really rigid about, no, now that you've learned about intuitive eating, you need to have 100% pure intentions every single time you eat and you can't ever have these thoughts. That's I... that's going to drive someone, you know, off the off the deep end. That's just not fair to ask of people. So, right. And it's going into it with this idea of like, there's a right intuitive eating decision yeah. and a wrong intuitive eating decision, which is very much that diet mentality, um, seeping into intuitive eating. Like sometimes you can just like make a decision and just like make a decision. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It doesn't need, you don't need to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders right. every single time you choose uh, foods. And it doesn't need to mean you're engaging in disordered eating or not necessarily. I mean, obviously, I want yeah. you to be aware yeah. of that. And I want you to be yeah. mindful and present. And, you know, like you said, the bird's eye view, what's going on, kind of on average, what are your patterns looking like? But if you drive yourself, if you hold yourself up to the standard of every single time I eat, it needs to be completely void of any problematic thoughts. I just think that that will lead to even more problematic thoughts. Right. And that's not realistic in this culture. Like we are so seeped in um, messaging about our bodies and fear mongering stuff about health. Like we are just so seeped in that constantly. I, I just, I don't know that that's really realistic to make um, like that every single choice for the rest of your life is not going to be um, influenced uh, by, by that, that stuff. Like I, I just, it's not realistic. Absolutely. So Rachel, what are some kind of simple behaviors that you think uh, enable people to engage in gentle nutrition best? 
Yeah. So I always say, you know, the most, like the most important, important part of nutrition is just like adequacy. So, you know, before we even get to like the, like what we normally think of with nutrition, we have to make sure that our body is being fed adequately throughout the day that we're fueling ourselves. So like, it does not matter how many, you know, green smoothies or like how much kale you eat. Um, if you are not feeding and fueling yourself with an adequate amount of energy, like it really, like that stuff doesn't really matter. So, um, so I actually like to, um, to really think about nutrition in terms of that first. Um, I don't know. Have you seen, um, have you seen Ellen Satter's like, uh, uh, the hierarchy? I forget exactly what it's yeah. like, like the hierarchy. Of, yeah. Okay. I'll write that down and I'll look it up for people to to reference it. Awesome. Yeah. And so I actually have sort of like a little simplified version of that, that I, I think about in the back of my head when I'm, I'm considering nutrition and sort of at the bottom of, of that. And I should like, I guess sort of define, like it's, it's a play on Maslow's like hierarchy of needs where it's this little pyramid, you know, not the food guide pyramid, but just a pyramid. <laughs> and I, I think of it with, um, you know, four steps where at the bottom of that pyramid, the base of that pyramid is adequacy. Um, from there, I like to think about balance, like, and, and not balanced in terms of like, I ate an apple. And so now I can have a brownie or like vice versa. But, but balance in terms of macronutrients, like getting an array of macronutrients of fat and protein and carbohydrates and when we eat. So, um, so that's kind of like the next step that I like to think about. Um, from there, I think about variety, like, are we just getting a wide variety of different foods? Um, you know, when we're getting a wide variety of foods, we're automatically getting a wide variety of nutrients that our body needs. And, um, and then from there thinking more about like, you know, instrumental nutrition, you know, maybe you have, I don't know, high cholesterol, or maybe, um, you have some other sort of health concern and that's where we can look at nutrition in a little bit more of an instrumental way that, um, can help with those concerns. But, um, but I think we really like, and that's like the area of nutrition that we tend to focus that, that you often see focused on first, this kind of like, you know, eat this for that. But, um, really we have to kind of bring it back to basics first. Are you getting like, enough? <laughs> yeah. Are you getting enough? And, and, and yeah. you know, surprisingly a lot, uh, you know, most of the clients that I, I work with when they first come in, um, you know, they really are not eating enough or they're eating, going long stretches of time, yes, um, out eating and eating is, yeah, very kind of chaotic. And, and so, and even clients like, you know, if you're in a larger body, like, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not feeding your, your body adequately. So I, I think we always have to start with, um, adequacy when it comes to nutrition. Mm, such a good point. Yes, you're so right. I think we do tend to focus on these kind of nitty gritty, higher on the hierarchy of needs type mm -hmm. of details about nutrition. But really, like if, if the foundation of adequacy isn't there, who cares about, you know, this or that tiny little nutrient? Right. And I mean, frankly, like that's pretty much the only type of nutrition that human beings for like whatever, like tens of thousands of years or whatever of our existence, like that's the only type of nutrition we really have had the space to think about. So, yeah. you know, if that feels like that is not enough, um, you know, we're still here. And, and that's, that's been the level that, that human beings have been at most of time. So. Ah, I love it. Yes. Great point. So, 
Can you just kind of reiterate what you just said? Just I feel like people are going to want to see this visually as and podcasts are interesting because they're probably in their car thinking. So step one, foundation of the pyramid is adequacy. Then what comes next? Yes. So adequacy. I love that you say that because as I was saying, like as I was explaining it, I was making a little triangle with my fingers. Me too. (laughs) Anyone can see that. Yeah. But yeah, so so adequacy at the base of the pyramid. Um, Then comes balance, which is more just, you know, again, macronutrients. So getting fat, protein, carbohydrates when we eat. Um, From there is variety. So getting like, you know, different colors of fruits and vegetables, getting, you know, whole grains. And then like, as well as like, you know, regular white pasta and bread, um, getting, you know, different kinds of of fruits in there. And then from there is um, instrumental nutrition, which is more like kind of the individualized, uh, you know, sort of individualized nutrition of of based on your kind of specific needs and and your specific goals, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, okay, Rachel, I want to ask you kind of circling back to that question I asked about folks struggling to really kind of grapple with their intentions around starting to look at the gentle nutrition side of intuitive eating and kind of wondering, um, you know, uh, many folks have spent so much time in the diet mentality where they're just so, it's so foreign to look at something like broccoli or whole grain bread or something like that. And and see it for as like a neutral food where like it's it's been representative maybe not the bread thing maybe that's a bad example because bread is the current you know right. terrible thing so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, words are hard so anyway um, but you see what I'm saying like how can someone I guess I would love to provide a couple ideas for how we can sort of start to look at gentle nutrition from the perspective of of having some intentions that are grounded in in self-care. So I recognize that I'm kind of asking a question that might kind of require you to read my mind. So I'll I'll give a couple <laughs> thoughts and then I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah. Is that is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. So in my opinion, some good things to kind of think about as you're trying to navigate gentle nutrition. One is um, the functioning of your gut. So I know I know that many of my clients this really resonates and and even for myself like if you eat a meal that includes, you know, a good balance of of food groups but also like, you know, it's satisfying and it's filling and there isn't just one food, there's lots of different types of of options there, there's some variety and you're including some type of fibery food like a vegetable, let's just say. Um considering and noticing and being really curious about okay if when i when i eat that way how do i feel how does my body like do i go to the bathroom the next day or do i notice that my things seem to function and move through me and i feel like i have good energy levels um i think that like if we can kind of outline a couple ways to sort of i help people identify positive intentions rather than maybe some of the really ingrained sort of pathways people have for like broccoli equals dieting or and I'm not I'm not pushing broccoli it's okay if you don't like broccoli you don't have to eat it but 
Does that make sense, Rachel, what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah. Like what to think about um, in terms of, of, you know, making, uh, yeah, sort of what to think about in terms of making choices um, or incorporating um, yeah. gentle nutrition. How do they know yeah. if their intentions are in the right spot? Right, right, right. So, yeah, I think, you know, the really the biggie is kind of how food makes you feel. And and certainly, you know, digestion can be incorporated into that. Like, again, are you like feeling like you're going to the bathroom normally or well, normally that it's a very, you know, that's a whole other topic that we <laughs> yes. can dive into. But, um, you know, how you're feeling energy wise, like, is that a meal that that keeps you feeling fueled and good until like the next time? time that, that, you know, next time that you eat, whether that's another meal or, or snack. Um, so I, I think, you know, paying attention to how food makes you feel is a biggie. Um, that said, like eating food that makes you feel kind of blood does not conflict with intuitive eating. And I don't know, like food also is not magical. I, you know, we want to have realistic expectations. You're not going to like eat a meal that includes like, you know, kale or whatever, or broccoli. And, you know, all of a sudden feel like, wow, I'm totally energized. Like I'm on top of the world. Like you're not going to feel superhuman, um, feeling tired and feeling blah and feeling just like, eh, like are parts of being a human being. So, so we definitely, you know, want to, um, want to keep those, um, you know, keep those expectations expectations, um, in law. Um, I think another thing is just like, like we can, we can incorporate external knowledge about nutrition without it necessarily, like, like we can use brain knowledge and our body knowledge. So, you know, we can know that like human being bodies do well when they are provided with like a wide range of foods, when they're getting, you know, fruits and vegetables, when they're getting, you know, fiber rich sources of of carbohydrates, like we can take that sort of external knowledge and it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, rooted in, in this sort of diet weight control sort of, of thing. Um, so I, I think it's okay to have some, some like external things that we might be, uh, you know, external knowledge that we're using along with our, our body knowledge of, of what feels good for us. Yeah. That's so beautifully said. Yeah. yeah that's such a tricky, tricky part of this is shifting mm-hmm. your, mindset and approach toward food from um, dieting and weight loss being so intertwined with health that you can't even tell the difference. And I think I think really what you just said is highlighted so well this idea of actually weight loss and dieting, first of all, are not healthy. They're not they do not promote our well being. So we want to do our best to sort of separate those two concepts and say, okay, wait, health, my health and well-being, while it's not 100% my control and all of those other uh, nuances to that, but my health and well-being is separate from weight loss and dieting. They're not the same thing. I can make choices around food that, like you said, kind of come from these external no, like this external knowledge of of the science of nutrition and incorporating some of that while also weaving in what feels good to my body and what makes me feel my very best. And all of that can be very separate from dieting and weight loss. But a lot of times yeah. people kind of equate the two terms. Yes. 
Yeah. Yep. And, and that's just because, you know, that's all that you see about, um, see about nutrition. It's always coming from this, you know, air quote, control your weight, um, you know, lens. And so it's really hard to think about what nutrition without this, um, goal of weight loss looks like. Um, but really it's, it's kind of getting back to where we, we started the conversation is that nutrition feeding yourself well with food is, is really simple. <laughs> it's not anything complex or, um, uh, challenging. Yes. Agree. Do you have any favorite kind of, I'm putting you on the spot a lot today. Sorry, Rachel, but do you have <laughs> no, any favorite mantras around gentle nutrition? Oh, no, I'm awful with mantras. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I have one. I have one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, one that I actually use for myself is, um, I refuse to feel fear around food. Yeah. So I, like that. I think that, that the, the reason that people kind of circling back to the beginning of our conversation, I think the pe- the reason that folks in the intuitive eating space are kind of careful about this concept of gentle nutrition is even if you are so careful in your language, it has potential to bring up fear for people, right? Mm-hmm. It has the potential to kind of trigger, um, diet mentality and fear and all of that. And, and I think like from, from my perspective as someone who I love nutrition, I think it's so much fun. I love food. It's very important to me. It's a big part of my life. Um, at the same time, I'm also sharing, like there's like, I cannot think of a reason to feel fear around food. Like it's just not scary. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, if it's um, mold, it was if sure. it's like mold okay. and fear. Okay, thank you. There probably are some reasons. <laughs> yes. That, that, that would not be good. Only exceptions I can think of to that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure there are exceptions. <laughs> um, but in general, like, so this, yeah. this whole conversation we've had around food, I want the listeners to kind of think, like, if you felt any fear come up for you, if you felt... Um, yeah, if you've had that emotion or that feeling, just I hope that you know that we do not, or at least I, I I'm sure you feel the same, yeah. but we, we do not feel that food deserves your fear. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's just food at the end of the day. It's not a thing that we have to be precise about. Um, it's not, there's no right or wrong decisions when it comes to food. There's no, yeah, yep. It, I, I love that mantra. <laughs> and nutrition and feeding ourselves in the end is is ultimately a lot of guesswork, right? Like it, it's yeah. taking into account what you know about and what you've perceived is going on in your body. It's taking into account what's accessible to you in, in the moment, what m- might sound good or what's available. It's considering gently, you know, balance or adequacy or those types of things. And then in the end, it is you are putting food into your body and you're moving on with your day and it's a, it's mm-hmm. a guessing game, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's every time we eat, we have a series of like multiple choices that we can make, whether it's choosing like how much food we're eating, what foods we're eating, you know, the, when we want to stop eating, like all that, like we have all these different options and there's not a right or a wrong. Like there might be certain options that have, uh, various pros or cons, uh, you know, along with it, but it, there's not, it's not a, there's no wrong choices. Yeah. Rachel, that's something I say all the time. I, I talk about how 
part of why we struggle with food is the assumption that there is a right way to eat, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we can just remember, like, this is all just, we're doing the best we can. It's the bird's eye zoomed out view that really matters long-term and it's okay. It's normal and okay. If sometimes you overshoot things or undershoot things, eventually you things kind of even out and your body likes averages and it's not something that you need to micromanage and feel a lot of fear or uh, need to control. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. When you think about like each individual meal and snack in the context of your, you know, your day, your week, your month, your year, your life, it's like, oh, is this really like, I don't think anyone can ever look back and say, oh man, it was like, the cookie I ate in 1992, like that was the thing that did me in. So. It was that cookie. Yeah, yeah, it was that, that one cookie. I bet it was good though, because I love cookies. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Rachel, what else, what other holes are there in the conversation or the exploration of gentle nutrition? What, what do you, what should we have said that we haven't said so far? Yeah, I I mean, I think we said a little bit of this, but I just want to emphasize that there's other ways to take care of your health um, outside of food. Like food is part of it, but, you know, whether that is nurturing friendships and, you know, your social connections, whether um, it's like nurturing a sort of spiritual uh, connection, whether it's with like your religion or just like, you know, being out in nature, um, you know, whether it's engaging in um, like a type of movement that's fun for you or, um, you know, stimulating your brain with, with learning, like there are so many ways that, um, that we can take care like that, that like, obviously there's part of health that's outside of our control. And there's this part that that's, you know, our individual choices, but within those individual choices that we make, like, again, nutrition is just one of those things. It is not the end all be all and, and not even necessarily the most important. So again, if for whatever reason, um, you nutrition needs to take a back burner, like like go in the back burner for a bit that like that doesn't, that's okay. Like you'll be okay. (laughs) I'll second that. So hopefully anyone who's like, yeah, that's just Rachel talking crazy because she's just (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) Um, Two dietitians who care about nutrition and care about our, you know, health and well-being and promoting that. That's our job. We both agree that, you know, it's perfectly healthy and fine if that nutrition piece of your well-being takes a backseat for you to pursue other areas of your health and well-being or or because you need to heal from restriction or whatever it is right right absolutely Mm -hmm. great point rachel um so rachel talk about how people can find you and follow along with your work and anything that's going on that's exciting for you right now with your with your work or anything you're up to yeah, so um, probably the best place to find, well, the two best places to find me are on um, Instagram. That's kind of my favorite uh, favorite social media outlet. If you like Insta stories about big fluffy dogs, um, feel free oh, to connect. Oh, you have the cutest me. dogs. 
They're the best. I'm such a, like a stage mom with them. They're so cute. Um, so Charlie stage and Savannah, they, they will make your day with their antics. Um, so I'm at, um, at Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, and then Hartley, R-D. And um, also on my website, which is um, rachelhartleynutrition.com, um, you can find my blog there where I have a ton of resources on intuitive eating that, um, that I've been sharing over the years, um, including, I think, a few posts on gentle nutrition that, yeah. that might be helpful to reinforce some of what we talked about today. So, um, so yeah. And, um, I know I wish I could say there was like fun upcoming new things with my business, but right now I'm just, Oh, I'm speaking at Fancy this year. So if you're oh, a dietitian, congratulations. I hope you'll find me there. Yeah. Doing a business related talk though. So that, that should be fun. But, um, yeah, other than that, I'm just trying to, you know, get through the week. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I will, I will second what you said about your posts on gentle nutrition. The reason I invited you to talk about this with me is because I, I just, I love your, you have such a clear voice on this topic. You are so good at exploring many sides to it and just simplifying it and making it seem less scary and more doable. And I just appreciate that about you. So I highly recommend people check out your work on gentle nutrition. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. 